a typical trauma survivor, and let me just say, anything can categorize a trauma survivor. So divorce in and of itself is a trauma, a bad divorce. And now. (laughs) Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening. I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 158 of the Chris and Christine Show. Ah, it's great to be back. The, The dynamic duo is back in the K2 studios. I don't know if I would call us dynamic as much as like dynamite or maybe more like C4. Uh, why would you say such a horrible, explosive thing like that? Well, because that's how my anger is today. Oh, come on, babe. Come on. Be cool now. Can you say, be cool? Be cool? Ow. I'm getting bit by a dog right now, so I don't know how hey, I Clover, feel about be that. Cool. Hey, Clover, be cool. Clover, the podcasting puppy, is sitting right here. She's playing with me. Normally, she's super calm, but like she's going for broke right now. She's just chowing down on my hand. She's so vicious tonight. I don't know. I know. She's very aggressive. Like you know what it was? I think she actually misses you so much (laughs) that she's like, oh, my mommy is back. I love it so much. I guess so. I guess I'm a Clover Chew toy tonight, but she's sitting here and she's playing. So uh, if you hear any jingling around or a little bit of growling, it's Clover the podcasting puppy. Now, Clover, you gotta calm down a little bit. Just take a chill pill. Relax. (laughs) She's normally so mellow when she's in here with us. I don't know what's going on today. But anyways, I'm glad to have Clover here. I am glad to be back. I was, was I out of town last weekend? Or? You've been out of town like for the last two Ugh, weeks. It's been so much travel lately. It's been a lot. You've been traveling more than an over-the-road truck driver. You know, you've been like. I don't think that's true. Hit, hitting the grapevine and all that, you know. And I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> driving. Um, no, but I definitely have been on the road. So it's nice to be home for a couple of days before I hit the road again on Thursday. You are going out of town again? Yeah, I'm flying this time though. So. Well, that ain't too bad, I guess. Yeah, it's just a short two-day trip. But, you know, it's just lots of stuff for work, consulting on my days off, and then Actually, my regular job is sending me up to the Fresno area because we're going to do some school site visits um, with one of our school districts at some model schools up there. But uh, yeah, it's just been it's been exhausting. So I am tired this week. And this weekend has been just like time to catch up on everything. I finally was working on taking the Christmas lights down by myself. Yeah, that's uh-huh. awesome. Yeah, it just so happened there was nobody around to help me. Um, Where was I? Is that work? uh, No, you were out at the mall with the kids. Doing the Lord's work is what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) On on a Saturday, is what they say. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah. (laughs) Everything. You're like, doing the Lord's work. That's what they say. Who? Who's they, Chris? (laughs) You don't like everybody. Um, Okay. So, yeah, I was taking down the Christmas lights and then I had to organize my closet and kind of pare down some stuff and grocery shopping, cleaned out the fridge and the freezer, washed the dishes, did laundry, did like six hours of work today. I am going back to work. Wait, today is Sunday as we record this too. You actually worked on a Sunday? I've been doing stuff all weekend long because wow. I'm just trying to stay on top of it. So look at you. So Chris, in comparison to everything I did around the house, tell me what you did to contribute. <laughs> First off, First off, I do a lot around here. Like I, 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 you know, I mean, I take care of poor little Clover here. 
And uh, don't in what pump- way? Don't, don't forget a little pumpkin. I forgot all that pumpkin we got in the garage. Poor little pumpkin. I forgot all about her. You're a turtle? Is she still alive? I don't even know. <laughs> I see, out. this is what happens, people. Whether I gotta go look and see if she's still alive. Shall we tell the story about dinner tonight? Shall we tell the story? Oh, wait, we, we had the dinner earlier today. Oh, no, no, no. No. That was later. We went, that was later. We went to lunch. So today. But it was a late lunch. So today we woke up and I was doing work all day and Chris was doing other stuff. And then we had a 1 p.m. interview today. So we had coffee this morning like normal. And then um, after we were done with the podcast interview around like 2.15, I realized I hadn't had anything to eat. And, you know, the little one, he got himself cereal this morning. Chris got himself cereal. We walk out. <laughs> the 13-year-old is like making himself breakfast. And it's like 2.15. As like, you do at 2.15 in the afternoon. Yeah. And breakfast. I was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He's like, well, I was hungry. And I was like, okay, well, we were going to go get food. So we go out to Black Bear Diner. He did eat a little bit there here at home. But then we went out to Black Bear Diner. And we had a decent sized late lunch. Well, the kids had only had one meal today. And so um, it's like 845. I'd finally taken a little bit to relax and watch a movie in our bedroom. And then I get up and I come downstairs and I like called the kids down. I was like, hey, are you guys hungry? They're like, yeah, we're starving. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, it's 845. Chris is sitting on the computer yet again doing podcasting stuff. <laughs> so again. I guess 845, my, you know, after my one little break this weekend, now I'm starting to make dinner for everybody. You walk in as I'm cooking up the meat. To, I decided to make them um, carne asada nachos. And I'm cooking up the carne asada. And you come in and you're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm making dinner for the kids. What? They already ate. I was like, Chris, they ate at 2.30 today. It's 8.40. It's six hours later. And that was their only meal today. I'm like, what? That was enough. <laughs> <sighs> Friends, come rescue me, you know, please. Parenting done right. You know what I'm saying? cps if you're listening to this please disregard that message (laughs) (laughs) well listen they had a big meal for lunch we all did a big meal for actually it was more like dinner than lunch really no it was like middle of the afternoon no it was at 2 30 that is not dinner i call it dinner which is lunch and dinner pretty combined no it's Lunner. <laughs> That's what I said. Lunner. No, it's been it's been a tiring weekend for me, not gonna lie. So sorry if you don't hear my normal perky self on the I'll podcast. have to bring it for both of us, I guess. I guess so. Well, you know, that's how my week has been going. Actually, I didn't even say the rest of my week. So when I was working up north, I had to go up north um for a couple of days and I didn't want to drive and plane tickets were too expensive. So I ended up buying a train ticket and taking the overnight bus and train. Oh, it was so crazy. So on, it was on Tuesday night. No, sorry. It was on Monday night. I ended up leaving San Diego at 930. At night, by the way. At night. And then I took the bus and it took me up to Hanford, California. The bus pulled in at 345 a.m., and then I had to wait out in the cold for 39 degree weather to get on my 39 tra- degree weather to get on my train at 4.15 in the morning and then ride for an hour on the train to go and get picked up by my dad in Hanford. And then my dad picked me up at the train station. I got off the train at 5.30. We got back to my parents' house at 6 o'clock. And then I had enough time to shower change my clothes, get my work bag together and get on the road by 6.45 a.m. and then worked all day. 
Look at you, rock star, you know? No, it was insane. No more overnight trains. No more putting myself through that kind of torture. <laughs> well, on the train ride, did you at least get to like sit by the engineer and blow the whistle or anything like that? Any cool um, fun stuff? No, it was only an hour long train ride, but no, in the bus, like at first the bus was a good deal, except the the bus seats are different from plane seats. They're like, they're kind of slightly sloped down. So it's like, instead of them being even like a regular like chair at a table, they have this slight angle downwards. So like you're sitting on them, but that you're like consistently slightly sliding down. Like sliding off the front of it? Yeah, kind of. Weird. And so they're far apart. Like you can't prop yourself up against anything. The nice thing is on the way up that for the first, well, from San Diego to Union Station in L.A., I had four chairs to myself. So there was one that I was in. There was one next to me. There's a little table in between and two others. So for that time, I had my feet on top of the table and then I could like prop up and fall asleep. So I slept for like maybe an hour and a half. But then when we got to Union Station, the bus became packed. Like there were so no many way. people. That, that so late, many people. late at night like that? Yeah. So many people. I had this whole like road to myself. And then this lady... She like walks up to me and she asks if her little girl can sit next to me. And then I felt bad because it's like the mom was sitting across from the little girl. And then I was like, do you want to sit here next to her? And then I ended up in an aisle seat. So then there was no place to lean. The man next to me was nice. He offered me the window seat, but I felt bad and I should have just taken it. But um, I didn't take it. And so then I couldn't sleep the whole rest of the time. And then, yeah, once, horrible. I, then once I got on the train in hand, in uh, Bakersfield, because it was so early in the morning, they don't make announcements for each stop. They said um, for the first three stops, because of the time of the morning, we won't be making the announcement. So set your alarm or you need to stay up to make sure you don't miss your stop. Oh, I would miss that. For yeah. Sure. So I was like, I would end up there. like Oregon or something. I was sitting there and I was like, okay, stay awake, stay awake. And then I dozed off. And then I realized the train had come to a stop. And I was like, shoot. And so I like ran downstairs and I looked at my clock and it was 519. And I knew that I was supposed to stop in Hanford at 530. So I thought maybe they got there early. And I went downstairs, grabbed all my things and waited by the door. And then the train stopped and I started to get off of the train. And I had my whole wagon full of stuff with me and I was about to pull it out. And then it said Corcoran, which is a stop before Hanford. And I was like, shoot, as the doors were dinging, they were about to close and I had to like jump back on really fast. Otherwise I would have been stuck. Oh, no way. You got yeah. for the wrong stop. I almost did. Almost That's like did. a Home Alone movie. I, I know. think the plot of it, one of them wasn't. <laughs> Except like... Corcoran is where Corcoran State Prison is. It's not a place that you want to get stuck is that at the five, only... 5.20 in the morning. But is that the only thing there in the town? Basically. Oh, the town. So there's the... no Uber or anything. So if I got stuck, it'd be like me and the inmates. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah. So that was the adventure that I left out that trains part. planes and automobiles only thing you forgot i guess the, tr the planes and i guess the boats train so. well i'll be on a plane this week so i guess trains planes and automobiles yeah but no boat yet we'll figure out how to get that one in the mix too that's sometime. not in it it's trains planes automobiles so oh uh, yeah i get you wow well, busy christine yeah busy busy so but when are you gonna be busy doing flower wedding stuff um no weddings until april but i've been meeting with clients and getting proposals put together for them to review and um, yeah, it's just, it's been a busy time of year, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I hear you. It's a busy time. You know, uh, as we start 2023, there's a lot of people that want to do new things and take on new roles, new re resolutions and things like that. Because mm -hmm. every new year's resolution, obviously everyone breaks it by now. I would think No, for the most part, I mean, 
for I think most people, it's like you always think the new year is always a big reset. Like this year, I'm going to do this and this differently. And this year of the year, I'm going to do all these fantastic, wonderful things. I am really on track with my resolution. Well, yeah? Yeah. What I is really it? am. It's to be mean to you. Well, congratulations. <laughs> You're doing a wonderful job. And my resolutions love Clover so much. And I do love her so much. I'm yeah, but right I'm now. still her favorite. So she did tell me that you yeah, are. You know, mm-hmm. how dare you, Clover? Come on. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, when you were gone, I was Clover's little cuddle buddy. Yeah, you were a good proxy. You were just like the stuffed teddy bear. But remember the, the video I sent you when you were gone? When I took a video of, of Clover, I said, hey, Clover, where's mom at? And she like looks around the house for you <laughs> in the video. <laughs> it's like, she, she's not here, Clover. She's like, huh? What are you saying here? Where is she? Where's mom at? I miss her so much. <laughs> well, what have you been up to this past week? I know I was home and chatted with you for a bit, but what's been going on in your world? Well, in my world, I'm working on my podcasting made easy, made easy production services from Podastic Audio, and I'm working on that right now this week. And what does that include? Well, it includes me helping companies or businesses create podcasts for themselves very easily, you know? So I actually got one client now I've had for a little while now. I'm working on them and kind of using that as a springboard to hopefully get more clients and uh, help out anybody who wants to create a podcast that really doesn't know, understand like the ins and outs of all the mechanics of how to physically put it together. I'll take care of that for them. Oh, that's exciting. Is that something that you really enjoy doing? I do really enjoy doing podcasting. So there are some days where it does get kind of daunting or just tired and want to do it. But for some reason, I think. What? You have never, ever (laughs) mentioned that. You're always like, I can't wait. Can we podcast? Can we podcast? You texted me like 17 times today. Can we podcast? Do you really ever get tired of it? Tell I, me the truth. Okay. You're probably right. I probably don't. I love I love it so much. I really do. I do. It's like, it's a hobby, but it's also an obsession. I think it's an addiction. I think you need to go to PA. Huh? What's that? Podcasting. Podcasters Anonymous. <laughs> I think what the thing is with podcasting, it even goes back to my YouTube days when I was doing YouTube videos a long time ago. Is that I love like the content creation part of it all. Like I love just being so creative and just creating things out of thin air. Like look, I just made I this. I get that. And it gets becomes very addictive when you have people that actually listen to it and you get excited to want to be part of your creative you know activities. And I think that's what happens with me because I remember years and years ago when I was doing the YouTube stuff, I was one of the first people to actually use YouTube mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day. I, actually on YouTube before Google actually bought it. And I made a few videos on there. And I remember just playing around with my old computer. I'm talking my old, old, not last computer, the computer like two generations before that one, <laughs> which barely did video on it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I figured out how to use some Windows um, Movie Maker on there. I figured out how to make some videos. Mm-hmm. And I made those and put those on YouTube just to play around. Like, what's oh, this new YouTube thing? Mm-hmm. And it got really addictive just playing around with different formats and playing around different different clips and different transitions. And oh, you could add music to this mm-hmm. thing. This is amazing. So podcasting for me is like that, but on another level. Oh, really? Yes. So now that I have this show in Podtastic Audio and the business Podtastic Audio, it's really been like my passion in life. I've always loved radio. I've always loved audio. I love music. In fact, I was just thinking about this. I actually have consumed more audio content in my life than anything else. How do you know that? We figure... I've been a driver for probably most of all my life, really, been in, in a vehicle. No, you've been a driver for 14 years. Uh, hello. I was a pizza delivery driver before that. Back, oh. Back like right out of high school. So I was listening to audio radio back then. In fact, I lived in the country. We didn't have a lot of television, so audio was all I had. Radio was all I had. The few stations we did pick up. And then, of course, um, 
you know, radio in college and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And I actually called into the radio station once or twice. Hmm. Um, I was a radio junkie back in the day. In fact, uh, most of my driving career, I would listen to morning shows and radio shows most of the time. So that's why I wanted to get into podcasting in the first place. I figured, why not? If we can, if they can do that, we can do that. Why not? Here we are. You know, interesting. And now here we are, 158 episodes later. How many episodes do you have of Podtastic? Is it like to the 100 point yet? Not all, well, not quite. Almost. I'm like in the 80s, I think. Oh, that's amazing. It's 70s or 80s. I, I have to double check. Okay, so how has podcast Podtastic been going on for more than two years now? Yes, it has, I believe. I can't believe that. I thought that it was only like a year ago you started it. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it, well, it just started out as like people people write into us here and say, how do you make the audio sound great? How do you make you and the guest and everybody sound so great? And I would give them some advice. And that's kind of where the the idea of Podtastic Audio came from was just helping other people. And I said, well, why don't I just make another podcast kind of walking through what we do here mm-hmm. to kind of help other people? Like, uh, Yeah, I just can't know. believe that it's already been two years. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. I know that you've done so much. I mean, think of it as 158 episodes of this show, plus almost 100 episodes of Podtastic, plus this other podcast. You're going to be in like the Podcasters Hall of Fame. Like, is there a trophy for like the person that produces the most amount of podcast episodes every year? Because I think you'd be it. I uh, no, I don't think I don't think I'm quite there yet. There are people that literally do this for a living every single day and they've got that's like, so like 10 clients, but that's all they're doing. They're not working anywhere else. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of like the streamers. Like maybe the next thing that you do is like, you're going to start streaming. Like, here's how I edit a podcast. Have you ever thought of that? Like, do you think people would actually watch that? Like, There are so many of those on YouTube about how to do every little thing. But like live streaming, like on Twitch or Discord or something like that. Once I ever earn the time off to actually have time to figure that out, then maybe I would. Oh, okay. So but, we're going back to complaining <laughs> about how much time you have because you're so busy. That is the, that is the truth, you know. And I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, thank God for this new MacBook computer I have because the old computer wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff. Like I yeah. couldn't, I wouldn't be able to run multiple podcasts. Oh, you used to get so angry. You're like, this stupid computer. It's taking it's forever. Taking forever. I'm like, just buy yourself a new one. You're like, no, I'm going to make it work. I'm, I'm going to add more it, really. memory. And I was like, Chris, trust me. And then when we went to like look at computers and you were like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get a PC. I was like, you should get a Mac. If we're going to be doing all of this audio content stuff, you should really get a Mac. I promise. And you were like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get a Mac. Think I'm gonna get a Mac Mini. I'm like, but then you still have to buy the monitor and all. You should get a laptop so you could take it on the go with us. You're like, I don't know. Then finally, you were like, okay, I bought myself a Mac laptop. Thank you, honey, for uh, helping me. Who was right? Show me the you were. Show me show me the the light. (laughs) But I am thinking about upgrading, by the way, because um, not this one is bad or anything. It's just that the new Mac Mini just came out, and I could totally use one. You know, really, is it a want or a need? It it could be a need. I like that. It's like asking a woman, like, um, the new Gucci shoes, is it a want or a need? Well, technically, I need new shoes. But the way I look at it is like this. If I'm doing podcast production for clients and they're actually paying me real money to do this, I'm going to need a foolproof, like, guarantee I can get the job done. And I'm always worried that things are going to break and go go down for whatever reason. So the way I look at it is like this, is that when it comes to business, like, if you're a if you're a plumber or any kind of contractor, you're going to have more than one set of tool, one tool for the job. You have multiple mm, tools, I would think. I don't know. Would you? I, I mean, well, if they're the expensive tools, you only have one of them. Right. But you've got to have ways to get figure out. Like if, a con- if somebody 
hired you to like fix their toilet or whatever and you say only oh, have one wrench but you can go get rent another one real quickly and go get one and what do mm-hmm. we need to do i'm saying something like that i would think all right this is your ladies and gentlemen this is how chris justifies spending over and over and over again on the same thing so well, that's why i always like to have a podcast i like that i like to have a backup to podcasting stuff like i back up everything twice i back up backup and then i is that because you just want to back it up or is it your ocd it's OCD really is what it is. <laughs> it's also my fear of things just like failing, you know, in life. Like I always have, I'm always afraid of things just falling apart because most of the things I've touched or have used in my life have broken or fallen apart at one point in life. I would okay. Say. So did this just transition into a therapy session? I think so. <laughs> so the doctor says, oh, bye too. <laughs> well, here's the couch. Lay down. So, well, I'm glad that things are going so well with you, with your podcasting business. Is there anything new that's been happening in your daytime work job or just kind of slow and steady wins the race? Uh, same old, same old at work. You know, I know it's been kind of slow for the industry here. At least it's kind of slowed down a little bit. I don't know if it's Tesla has anything to do with that or not. But because that was random Tesla's be, because, you know, it's buying, you know, not buying gas or buying electric cars or whatever, things like that sort. Oh, OK, but, you know, it is what it is. It's just kind of I mean, luckily for us, we do have um, steady work compared to other competitors that may yeah. not have steady work. So um, feel blessed for that regard, I guess, so to speak. So yeah, I mean, every absolutely. time I come in, I'm always working. They always have work for me to do. It's not like. Oh, we're not working today. Go home kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Because I've had jobs like that where you you didn't know if you're working today or not because it how, how slow it was. Wow. Well, I'm grateful that you have a nice steady job and that you have a side hustle with a, a fun money coming in for your projects and that you have all of these different things happening. And congratulations on that. Well, thank you, babe. You know, the sky's the limit the way I look at, you know, yeah. especially if I have fun doing it. Like you mentioned earlier, like I enjoy doing this stuff. If I didn't enjoy this and I'd be like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But because I love doing it, it's different. It's a different aspect to it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's been something that's helped us to like really figure out a good rhythm for the two of us, something that we have in common that, you know, a hobby that helps to keep us close. And I think that that's really important, even though I roll my eyes on nights like this when I'm so tired and I'm like, I really don't want a podcast. I think it's a good thing, a good routine that we have to at least like slow down and sit down and catch up with each other, huh? I absolutely love it. I think communication in any relationship is key. I would say like the, it's probably like number one in my world, I would think is, is good communication with your partner. You yeah, know? absolutely. Now, if you were to think back to your first marriage, do you think that communication was something that was strong or do you feel like maybe there was areas that you needed to improve on? Uh, that I needed to improve on? Well, I think my my stupidity, I would say, is that <laughs> I... Thought, I just assumed too much of mm. the other person. I just assumed that they would do what they said or that they would um, help out, help be part of the team, I guess, so to speak. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I felt like it was not a team. I felt like it was me and her. And we're yet we're on the same. We're, we're, it's like we're two. We're like we're like we're bicycle. We're on the, we're the bicycle tires. Like I'm the front. She's the rear. But she's flat and just kind of going off their own, their own direction, doing her own thing. And I'm trying to struggle mm-hmm. along and pedal. But Nothing's going along. We're not yeah. we're not going together in the same direction. I get that. And that's so hard. And I know that, you know, both of us going through divorces, we had a lot of those like hesitations and things going into a new relationship and a lot of those traumas. And I think that even in, as we're navigating all of these different things, me working out of town and it's really forcing us. I mean, because technically we're still newlyweds. We've only been married for two two years. We're still having to work through some of those like 
traumas and things like that. I know that you've mentioned to me that you can get a little bit sad when I'm gone so long and that, you know, it can be triggering if you like for me, you know, having a spouse that had been unfaithful previously is, you know, there's always that that anxiety like, oh, my gosh, is it while I'm gone? Is there anything happening at home? And I'm thankful that I have a lot of trust in you. Um, but I think that that trauma from divorce can like pop up very unexpected. And this week, our special VIP guest is a divorce coach that specializes with trauma. Absolutely. And we're going to be back with her right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. I am very excited for this conversation. She is a dynamic divorce coach. Welcome to the show, Alberta Jordan. Hello, and thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show, Alberta. How are you doing today? I'm fabulous. How are you guys? Great, Alberta. You know, you got... Alberta Jordan, you got two names of two locations. <laughs> Think about that. So where are you closer to? I never thought about that. Are you closer to Alberta or are you closer to Jordan? I am closest to Alberta. I would, I would, yes, I, I believe I'm closer to Alberta. Right, because mm. Jordan's a country in the Middle East. So yeah. I think Alberta, <laughs> Alberta, Canada. But speaking of that, where in the world are you joining us from today? Memphis, Tennessee, actually. Memphis, Ooh. Tennessee. Yes. Uh, have you been to Memphis, Chris? Let me think. No. I have. You have? And I've actually seen the Broadway musical Memphis. It was amazing. Have you no seen way. that one, Alberta? I have not, but I have seen a, a different Broadway musical. So yeah. uh, I love this city. It's There's just so much to offer. So what are some of the highlights of Memphis? I've heard that there's a great music scene, but it's a different kind than you Nashville. Nash, you think of Nashville. No, no, I said it's a different music scene than, than Nashville. But what is Memphis famous for? Memphis is famous for barbecue. <gasps> and, oh, yeah. But it's funny enough, like I, I'm not married to the barbecue places. Like there's definitely good barbecue out there, but I, I feel like I can cook pretty good. And so... I typically make my own barbecue when I want so right down to the sauce. So when you, um, when you make your own barbecue, Alberta, do you uh-huh. use like the coals, the wood, or the gas propane? I use coals typically. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered about that because there's different regions of the country have different types of barbecue styles and different types yes. of sauces, and so do you know? Like, is Memphis? famous for more of like smoky kind of types of barbecue sauces or like the sweet maple kinds of, or is it like all different kinds? I'm going to say it's all different kinds. And something funny is when I moved to the South, I never even heard of dry rub ribs. Interesting. It's here that I've, yeah, it's here that I learned it. The difference North, North, North versus South is interesting, but I'm from the North. So I like my ribs sloppy wet. <laughs> plenty of sauce, yeah. coleslaw everywhere. Oh yeah! So that's that's how we roll with that. Nice. So, so have you lived in Memphis for very long? 
I've been in Memphis for 2009. Oh, wow. So or that's, since 2009. That's a good amount of time. Over 10 years, with like 12 mm-hmm. years. Like that. Yeah. I, I am technically a Southern woman, so I have achieved my goal. But before here, I also lived in Nashville. So I've got to be in both, both cities. But I do love Memphis the most. But you mentioned being from the North before that. Mm-hmm. So where did mm-hmm. you hail from before you became a tenant? <laughs> Is it a Tennessean? How do we call yes. them? A, t- a Tennyson? I, I, hey, I'm happy with the Southern woman title. I'm oh. very proud of that. Awesome. And my mom tells me I have an accent. You oh, so. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I can hear it. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely have a little bit of a Southern accent. We can hear it. Yeah. We can hear that. I, well, I'm very proud of that. But I'm from Chicago. Oh, wow. I would have never guessed. Do you like the Chicago deep dish or you even care for the New York thin slices at all? Or? I like Chicago deep dish. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Did you have a favorite pizza place when you were in Chicago? When I was there, it was a very long time ago, Giordano's was the top of my list. Oh. That's Christine's favorite, too, I think, isn't it? No, I like Lou Malnati's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it was around when you were there. Like but... the Colt, you mean? Uh-huh. The Illuminati. Are they the cult oh, or something? Oh my gosh, Chris. <laughs> well, we are very excited to have you on the show today, Alberta, because it's a topic that's very near and dear to both Chris's and my heart. As we actually started this podcast, I don't know if you're aware of this, but as Chris and I started dating, we figured that we would start a podcast to talk about dating after divorce and what that mm-hmm. was like. And we just ended up you know, we we fell in love before it, but we ended up getting engaged and married. And so we've kind of adjusted the focus just a little bit. But we feel that talking about divorce and divorce recovery is something that's really it's I don't know if it's taboo, but it's something that people don't talk about a lot is what that journey is like for people. That's right. People typically go anonymous to have those kinds of discussions. People are typically chatting on Reddit. Um, mm-hmm. or Cora to really let out their feelings. And it's something, it, it, if people only knew, they are not alone. It, this is such a prevalent, you know, pain that people share because, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. Right. You know, and sometimes our trauma, like in my case, my trauma affected my relationships because of the trauma I shows toxic relationships. Mm. So, and and I'm not the only one, unfortunately. But, you know, for people to find out, listen, you're not alone. And here is a place where, and this is why I'm happy to serve in this space, I hold people's hand post-divorce to walk through the processes with them so that they can come out whole on the other side, as whole as they can be. Now, you touched on something a little bit ago, which was like the trauma that you took into a relationship. But one of the Mm -hmm. things that Chris and I, because we have a, I mean, we have super open conversations about our past hurts and our traumas because we feel like if you don't talk about it, it can haunt you or it just becomes like a little festering piece in your relationship. But one of the things that we've talked about is the trauma of divorce itself and how it can really... It's like one of the worst things a person could go through, like a death in the family, mm-hmm. almost almost that level, I would think. I've, I've even sometimes yes. felt like it's sometimes even worse than death because you have to still know that that person is still living. <laughs> okay. Yes, and, and, and yeah. statistics say that. They do say that divorce is a trauma that is, you know, very high. I, I'm trying to remember if it's number two next to death or if it's number one. I'm sorry, I, I that's not... 
really sharp in my head That's right okay. this moment, but it is very high out there because you have to continue in some cases to see the person and you still have ties. Right. It, and this and this is not a person that is gone. This is a person that is still here. So it is definitely, you know, more than a notion and more than a challenge to try to to live through in a healthy way. Right. And then see that other person potentially moving on, quote oh, unquote, like worst, you know? quote unquote, moving on. Or if especially if your relationship ended because they left you for somebody else, then, yeah. you know, feeling yep. that not even guilt because it's not guilt, but that shame oh, and that definitely. devastation. Yeah. It's, yes. it's just, you know, when I think back through that moment, especially as there's certain times of the year when those memories come flooding back, regardless of being happily married, it's like, mm-hmm. there's still even, you know, seven years later, I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that's still, that spot's still a little bit tender in my emotions. And I think yeah. I still have some trauma remnants there. Yeah. So, that's, that's real. So with what you do it as a dynamic divorce coach, you talked about working with people post-divorce. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about what that actually looks like and how you come alongside people? Sure. So my specialty is, again, navigating life post-divorce. I don't get into the thick of things with the clients when they're in the divorce process. I can't, I do my best work if I save myself and my energy to help pull the person once they're ready on through life to a life of healing and to live more powerfully, to live more confident. And I have actually an eight-week program that addresses the various scars and the various schools that one faces, the hopelessness, the, the shame, the guilt the powerlessness, the the feeling of not being enough, the feeling of rejection, which even whether you were left by someone, or in my case, I even though I was the person to leave, I still felt rejected. Mm. So, you know, and I have 30 years of trauma that I have lived through, and I have really considered all the, the various, you know, nuances of, of things that need to be addressed so that you can go on whole, you know, as whole as can be. Now, I, and I always, you know, preface it, I'm not a therapist. And right. I typically prefer that people see a therapist first because I don't want to trigger them. Oh, yeah. And and so the, the consult is is very, very important. And the the readiness level of my clients is so very important because if a, if the Again, my population is a trauma survivor in particular. And so if that trauma survivor is stuck in that victim mentality, I can't help them. Right. They have got to be ready. Well, how long does it take, do you think, Alberta, for someone to go from the victim mentality to being ready to actually have a conversation with you and open their mind up to figure out what what the next step is going to be? Where they're in charge of their own journey, that's up up to them. And typically, you know, just like when a person's in a physical abusive relationship and people are looking at them and going, why don't you just leave? Right. The person (laughs) isn't ready to leave. The person hasn't suffered enough. They haven't gathered enough of themselves to get it done. So even if somebody grabbed them and, and snatched them out, they go back because they're not ready. 
And each person's journey is different. And so each person's readiness readiness, readiness level is up to them. That makes a lot of sense. And I think about myself and, you know, maybe I would have really benefited from a divorce coach. I just found that I took a lot of therapy. I just, I figured out what my emotional wellness benefits were for my insurance and I maxed them out trying to figure out like, Mm -hmm. I need people to help me. And I think that once I did that healing work, I really was looking for someone to help me figure out like, how, how do I even step out and create something new for my specific situation? I was married pretty young. I got married at 23 and then, you know, it was my first boyfriend. I never really dated other than, you know, this individual. And then when I found myself a single woman having to step out into the world, I'd never been that before a single woman. I had been Mm -hmm. a teenager, (laughs) you know, I was Mm -hmm. very, very young. And so I found myself like, okay, what even is my favorite color anymore exactly. by myself? What is what? exactly? Yeah, because you don't have yes. somebody else like, you know, talking with you about it or what is it like to feel confident enough to go to the movies by myself without, you know, worried that people are going to think I'm a weirdo and am I confident enough to go into a restaurant and confidently say table for one and mm-hmm. what does that look like without, you know, burying my head in a book. And so do you Mm -hmm. help people work through things like that or what do you focus on? Yes, absolutely. And so, and so you're speaking right to the heart of, of, of what and why I'm, I'm serving trauma victims, a typical trauma survivor. And let me just say anything can categorize a trauma survivor. So divorce in and of itself is a trauma, a bad divorce. Not a you friendly parted divorce. Nope, that's, right. I'm not for you. If you had a bad divorce, I'm for you. <laughs> if you had any kind of physical, emotional, verbal, any kind of abuse, it could even be parental abuse because mm-hmm. that cripples you too. You know, you have been harmed right. and you're limping through your life. And because you've been harmed and you're limping through your life, your windshield wipers are not clearing your vision enough to allow you to see because because you're because you've been harmed and that's why you're limping. And so I address the source. I address why the person is limping. And again, I, I like to use me as an example. So I was sexually abused at the age of five. It was a friend of the family, was my auntie's boyfriend. And he had become so friendly with the family and would volunteer to watch the kids whenever he came over. Everybody thought he was such a nice guy. And this guy would violate me right in front of the family. And I would just, you know, look around and I would feel so crazy. Didn't they just see what happened? Yeah. That guy just touched me. Mm -hmm. Or he would chauffeur us to the back of the house, volunteering to watch the kids where he could do more harm. And so that that tore down my sense of safety. From that point forward, I've never felt safe. Mm. Not only that, my my sense of identity, who I was, my my boundaries were crushed. I didn't know what I wanted because I was made to do something I didn't want to do. Yeah, I was just you gonna know? ask about that because I, I hadn't even 
I know that there are people that step into relationships that have trouble with boundaries or go through abusive marriages, lots of different types of abuse where they learn that or they I don't even know if it's learned, but they're conditioned to believe that holding boundaries is not okay. I hadn't even really thought about the individual that comes into a marriage feeling that they can't hold boundaries or they're not allowed to hold boundaries Mm -hmm. and how that continues to play out, not just in their marriage, but in the future. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you said you're not a therapist, but what's some of that work around educating your coachees about how to set and maintain appropriate boundaries? So first of all, we have to start with truth. The victim has to, number one, be willing to tell themselves the truth. It has, to, it has to be acknowledged. What happened to them gets acknowledged through therapy. And then just, just like what you did and what I did. When I went to, to, to counseling, I saw a therapist to acknowledge all that happened to me so that I no longer felt crazy and I no longer felt shameful. But then after that, my future was up to me. Mm. And, so, and so I began to tell Alberta the truth about Alberta. And that is so important for a person to flip the switch out of the victim mentality. Not everyone wants to stop being a victim. Not everyone is willing to tell themselves the truth because then it means they have to change. And so that was why I said earlier, it depends on the person. They have to be ready. I've talked to some people, they're not ready and I can't help them. I want to So once you start telling yourself the truth, you start peeling off these layers where you can then begin to see and discover who you are, what you want. But until you do that, you you can't know who you are or what you want so that you can set a boundary. That makes a lot of sense. And I have witnessed so many different people that they stay in that really wounded victim state after their divorce. And then what I find, because they haven't done that that healing work of, I don't even know if it's healing work, but like that self-reflection enough to say, like, I don't have to be a victim anymore, is they start to perpetuate relationships that allow them to stay in that mm-hmm. victim state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they did or they didn't do therapy work to help them work through their divorce, but you know, if they stay in that I'm the victim or the poor me mentality and that perpetuates in relationships, are you able to support people like that? Or do you still need them to come further before you can work with them? Well, so when I do a consult, that's where I'm able to assess where they are. And I do several different assessments to give me a a broader view because 30 minutes is not a long time to talk to anybody. Well, I can tell by their language, I still like to be thorough. So, but I can help anyone who is willing to tell themselves the truth. Pretty much. If they're, if they're willing, I can pretty much, that's, I mean, that's just the place where we got to start. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what? I think that I would have done well with you as my divorce coach. How, like, <laughs> how late or is there, is it too late for somebody to start? Like, do you, do you need nope. to talk to them while they're single only? I'm working with someone right now who has been divorced 40 years. Oh, wow. So the time does not make a difference. 
It's the willingness. And maybe for some people, it takes them 40 years to be ready. Mm. It's just, you know, we, we all live our lives. We're, we're all on our own journeys. And, you know, we just can't compare, certainly not my journey to anybody else's journey. So I'm just here for, for anyone that's, that's ready. I, I just love doing this work. Alberta, uh, uh-huh. is it mostly females or males? Or I was wondering both? that too. Yeah, that can come to you. <laughs> it's um, the ladies because we're self-reflective. <laughs> I, I, so I'm open to both, actually. But I, I, but I do. I have coached some males, but I do primarily get women, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm here for for anyone who is ready to do the work because the work is important because yeah. it's going to make the world better. It tends to be the women, though, because you know. We put in the work. Well, the, 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 guy, the guys, the guys will now, 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 Alberta. On this other note, with trauma mm-hmm. and trying to help people out, do you get people coming to you with substance abuse? They really are like trying to, like, you know, they're trying to trying to fix that. You're or asking you for advice on how to fix that because they are using their substance abuse to kind of, you know, I don't know, subdue their trauma yeah. they went through. Yeah. What do you that tell those a, guys or, pe- Chris, or women? That is an excellent question. I. So I do also have a background in behavioral health. It was one of my earlier jobs when I was younger. So I'm very sensitive to the needs of someone who self-medicates. It is, it now it depends on, and I connect very, very well with them because I understand. And I tend to think that they're some of the best people that I've met, quite frankly. Now, depending on what's going on with them, like how, how wrapped up they are in that or if they're at the end of I want to help myself I just need hope in fact I, I just I just got a referral for somebody like this actually you just reminded me it depends it depends okay because the reason a person self-medicates is because of their trauma that's very true and so I I can imagine that that's challenging to be able to help an individual through substance abuse type of issues without getting into that therapist role and then also helping them to see the need if they're working with you to go back to therapy to deal with some Mm -hmm. of those other issues that aren't going to be able to be tackled during coaching. Sure. And it is, um, it's, it's also workable, I think, to, to talk to a therapist at the same time. So again, it's, this this is going to depend case by case. I have referrals ready if a person needs to be referred. I'm, I, I'm definitely not going to get in over my head, right? But I do. I, you know, I really do empathize and I understand because the pain can be so great. I myself, my first heartbreak, I was suicidal. Oh wow! I became suicidal and I and I wanted to self medicate. I wanted to drink. I just wanted the pain to stop. Right. Yeah. So you know, I was going to ask you how many clients come to you with exactly like that, that are suicidal. Have you had any come across and you try to talk them down? Now, no, I haven't had any suicidal come directly to me. And I'm going to tell you, if I do have someone come to me who is suicidal on the ledge, they will get a direct, in fact, I'll stay connected with them while I refer them to a specialist. Then now that is something that they're going to go straight to a specialist for. Right. And then once they deal with that emotion, to come down off the emotion. Because I can't work with you if you're high in your emotions anyway. Nobody can. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, listen to reason or anything, really. Yeah, because you're in desperation yeah. and not in a point yeah. where you're ready for healing. And and then there's this st- statistic 
depending on the person, like how far or how long they've been having these no no notions, a person that has truly made that decision, you can't stop them. Right. So we just had a seminar on this, in fact. Yeah, so they're going to get a referral. Well, I'm glad that you have a really good support network to be able to, it sounds like, you know, you can get started with coaching and then you can realize, oh, wait, there's some needs here that have come up that, you know, I can still work with you on coaching to a certain extent, but we might need to pause while you go back in and get a little bit more mental health support. And then, you know, let's reactivate and work, continue to work forward. I could see how that could could kind of come into play. But I had another question for you because I know we've been talking about some of the hard stuff and the trauma is what about on when people are ready to take that next step and they're saying, okay, Alberta, I've been working with you and I think that I want to put myself back out there and I think that I want to get into the dating game and, you know, what do I do? How do I get started? And I know you're a dynamic divorce coach, but I can imagine that part of that is I wouldn't think that your goal is like, I find my success if people can get out there and date again. Like your success is helping people to be whole, healthy and happy and well-rounded. But let's, you know, spill the tea to us when they're ready to get out there and date again. Do you help them out? So I, when the person has finished with me, my goal, and I'm saying my goal, but please understand that this program is customized to each person. What really matters to me is that I am also really doing what they want, you know, because Mm -hmm. everybody has different goals. And in fact, a lot of women now are choosing not to get remarried again. Right. And just to stay single. That that was my thing. That was my thing. Because after I got my divorce, I was feeling like I never want to get married again. I told Christine this when we first started dating. When we first started dating, he did. I'm like, I don't like getting married. What's the point? I mean, it just could be another heartbreak. (laughs) And and I even said to you, I was like, well, you know, that's something I would desire to get married again. So you you get divorced too. I think your divorce, well, both both our divorces were pretty traumatic. But but what I was going to say is that when you and I were talking, you were saying that you weren't, you thought that you might not want to get married again. And I said, well, you know, I really enjoy your company, but ultimately, like, if you don't desire to get married again, then this doesn't have long term viability for me because I am looking for a partner for life. And I remember you were just like. I don't know, <laughs> you know, let's play cool, let's play cool you, you know? know what? I will say it because, you know, we keep it real on this podcast is, you know, Chris, you, I don't want to speak for you, but one of the things I noticed is that you did bring a lot of trauma into our relationship, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but you know, it, you've, you've talked with me through it. So hmm. do you feel like you've been able to like heal from some of your trauma while in our relationship? I told you the other day. Then what did I tell you yesterday? You tell me. Tell me again. I, I need to hear it. I, I told I told Christine this yesterday. I said, hey, of all the times in my life, the history of my life, if you look back at the history of my life, like say a bunch of old postcards of my life, this has got to be the happiest time I've ever had in my life is here with you right now. Oh, and, right. And why is that? Oh, right. Because I love you. That's why. Okay. Well, well, but why well, do you love the ultimate answer for everything. Really. <laughs> why? Because I love you. That's why. Why? Why? Why am I making chores? Because I love you. But do you feel safe is my question. <laughs> yes, I feel safe. I Yeah, I feel like, wait, what do you mean safe? What do you mean by like that? Like emotionally hey. safe. Okay, there you go. Yes, I do. I mean, not like I'm going to pull out a gun safe, but like. Well, that's like, different, but yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but because, you know, when we when we entered into this relationship, 
we talked a lot about, and it was important to me to have a partner that I could talk with about the things that I had gone through, but not in a way of poor me, play a tiny violin for me, but of, hey, this is what I have gone through. So when I react in a specific way, even though I've healed from it, this might be a trauma response and it might be a trigger. I might need to take a breath. And we've had to learn what those things are. But I think that, you know, having someone not necessarily be your therapist, but help you coach through how to recognize those things so that they don't implode a relationship is really helpful. Yeah. So I would imagine, like, do you have some clients that start to get back into the dating pool and maintain your services just to help them, like, make sure that they're still aware of how they have or haven't dealt with their trauma while they're getting into new relationships? So what I typically do is I address triggers long before we get to the end of the program. Okay. There is there is a lot of work around triggers. And not only that, there is a lot of work around just the self-esteem, recognizing self-sabotage, building res- resilience, and you know, putting some safeguards in place so that they can bounce back from negativity. Cause you know, you've, you've been scarred. Anybody that has gone through this, you, you've been scarred and you have to recognize the things that may set you off. And once they're done with me, so what I do is I help them get their groove back. Oh yeah. That makes sense. That's the, so that's the, so that's the, the tail end part of the program. It's a more attractive view. It's, it's, I can help you be more powerful confident, whole, more purposeful in your life, which that in of itself is, wow, so powerful. And then more attractive. I address that part. Okay. So what so I address come in, is, I'm sorry. sorry. People, when they come in, do they feel like, like they don't feel attractive really when they, after this happens? They, I mean, I would think that if your spouse left you or had a horrible divorce, you would mm-hmm. feel like, gosh, I feel like a horrible, ugly person. You know? Yeah, you feel broken. Yeah. And and so even just in my case, again, I was the person that left, but I left because I was, you know, I had a spouse that wasn't faithful mm-hmm. repeatedly. That's rejection. It right? is. It's same, and you it's tend same thing, to yeah. think, what's wrong with me? You feel that way. Right. Yeah. Chris and I actually both went through that. We were the ones that ultimately pulled the trigger for a lack of better terms saying like, I'm not going to be in this kind of a relationship anymore because I'm not, I'm tired of being cheated on. And so even when you step out of it and you weren't technically quote unquote left, you did the leaving, it still leaves that wound of that not enough. And what was it about me that made me not enough? And one of the things that I had to do in therapy, not necessarily in coaching, is to realize like being cheated on actually had absolutely nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the other Mm -hmm. person and Mm -hmm. their own personality flaws or their own past trauma and self-sabotaging behaviors. Yeah, and insecurities. And it doesn't mean that I have to be like, that had nothing to do with me. Of course, do self-reflection and figure out how to come out on the other side stronger and set boundaries and, you know, be aware of red flags. But that attractiveness piece, like, are you coaching people around like physical attractiveness or are you helping them to see themselves 
as who they really are so they feel more attractive. Ah, both. Okay. Great, because I think when you have confidence and you have this mentality of like, yes, I could almost do anything. And I think after a divorce, you, I mean, say really everything gets stripped away from you and you are down your luck, really. Bottom of the barrel, yeah. Yeah, bottom of the barrel. I mean, literally, you can be drinking out of a barrel, I guess, (laughs) what you can do. But, (laughs) but so, so you do kind of help people kind of like, look, you, you are, you know, you're a good person and you're attractive, you know, go out and get them, Tiger, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And help them out. But how, how soon is too soon if you get divorced to even think about dating somebody? Yeah. So that's one of my warnings. That is one of my warnings. Because people, because the pain is so great and people are so lonely. I know I was, I was so, so lonely. But if you have not done the work, you're going to wind up in another toxic relationship. Yep. Because you are the same person. You've taken all the same hurts, all the same pains. And without changing anything, without changing your mindset, without any sort of self-knowledge, without any tools. Right. And that's going to be way more painful to realize. And you're going to be even deeper in the barrel than you were with the first, behind the first relationship that went south. So, you know, I really caution very strongly against that. It is okay to take your time. You need the time to love yourself. Right. Right, yeah. I I never used to want to be alone. I used to be afraid to be alone. But then I just I embraced it. And once I started embracing that and learning who I was and spending time with myself, I got to the point where I would rush home, get my Pizza Hut pizza, lock the door, and I was just so content. That's Christine for you. Oh my gosh, that's like, <laughs> seriously, the fact that you just said Pizza Hut, you asked Chris, Chris, what's my favorite pizza to have when I'm by myself? Pizza Hut. But, but, no. He'll come from work and he'll be like, Oh, you had a you had a single lady night in. I'm like, this is like watching Hallmark Channel, eating my pizza. Oh hut. my goodness! Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! I am like happy when. Yes. And, but it took a while to get to that point where I wasn't like yes. sitting with my pizza at home watching movies and being like, "Poor me, I'm by myself." Instead, yeah. it was like, "Yes, this is great. I am my yeah. own best company." <laughs> It, it used to be me planning, what what do I need to do after work or where can I go after work? You know, there was just mindless sort of activity of, of avoiding the house. Right. You and, know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking as we are at the beginning of this new year, you know, launching 2023, so many people make New Year's resolutions about how they're going to better themselves. And so if you were to be able to speak to that individual that's just finalized a divorce recently, they've been going through the therapy to do the healing work. And now they're saying like, 2023 is my year, but how do I make it my year? What would be your best advice for that divorcee? So I'm going to give three self-care tips. And then I'm going to tell you to call me. (laughs) That's tip number four. (laughs) The first thing I, I, so going into the new year, in order to be on the road, on the path, because it is, it is a, it's a journey for sure. On the path to becoming your your best self, there are some things that you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed and out of control. 
And that's what typically happens to us because life after the divorce, life during divorce is such a roller coaster. And you can feel so overwhelmed and so stuck and so like like you can't part the clouds. Right. When you're feeling that way, I want you to stop and take five deep breaths. Just breathe. And and I don't mean shallow breathing. I mean get to a place by yourself so that you can be with yourself and focus on your breathing. Just take five deep breaths and settle yourself. So that's one, when you're feeling overwhelmed. And then two, always, always, always tell yourself the truth. Mm -hmm. If you tell yourself the truth, it will help you avoid drama and, and potentially dangerous people and situations. Because here's the script running in your head when you're lonely and when you are in pain. You see a, a, a connection. They're not even your type. Right. <laughs> then you know that they're not your type. And you know they have trouble written all over them because, because you're lonely. But, but, what but, do you but do? he's cute. I like him. I mean, they could, be, might be, cute. They could be clothed as a red flag, like literally. <laughs> in, a, right. in a red flag. And then you're like, I love that shade of red flag. <laughs> that goes if with my eye colors. the truth, you avoid that red flag. Mm. Yes. Yes, he is cute. But... He also looks like pain. Right. <laughs> I like he's that. Not, he's, he's not right. What I really need is to be with myself right now. I, I, there are other things that I can do that won't hurt me. You know, I just want to pause you for a second, Alberta, because I've, in all of my years, I've never had someone say that, and it makes so much sense, is tell yourself the truth. It's like, People will say, oh, be honest with yourself, but like tell yourself the truth is different from being honest with yourself. Like telling yourself the truth is looking at a situation and saying, gosh, I am lonely right now and I am craving connection. And I know that if I am not careful and I do put myself out there, I may find myself attracted to someone that's going to do more harm than good. So because I know that about myself, I'm going to do the following to help set a boundary and to give myself a better option. Like to be that metacognitive, that hyper aware, that is a huge tip for people to be able to step into 2023 with is like, tell yourself the truth. I love that. So what's number three? Well, well let me tell you what I did for, okay. it, for this a good example. So when I was feeling especially lonely, if I wasn't at Starbucks, <laughs> studying or doing something studious, I would bake cookies or some some nicety and take it to the fire stations and thank the first responders. And you weren't doing it and to pick up a fireman? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, good. Not, not at all. That not at been all. my move, not going to uh, lie. Interesting. <laughs> what? I'd be like, hello, sir. Oh, you're on the calendar? You really are a red flag. <laughs> I, li I like July the best. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> as long I as I'm not July into myself. <laughs> Say so, that again. I, I believe in service, mm -hmm. and I generally had my children with them, and I would, you know, the, the, it turned out to be a very good event as well for my sons. They got to learn to serve. And they got to get in the fire truck and 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 have a good time. And then I was very intentional about giving each, you know, a conversation to each 
first responder and not like hanging around just one. No, nope. right. I didn't. I didn't. Nope. I didn't do that at all. That's uh, really so good. number three, number three is stop and listen to your body. So this is something survivors, you know, are so very guilty of. Trauma survivors have a high tolerance for pain. Once when we survive this trauma situation, we tend to just keep re-victimizing ourselves. I'll tell you, I'll give you a quick example. I would get into the car I don't, for, to ride, and I wasn't driving. I would be on the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And I would get in and I would wind up sitting on my foot. I was very uncomfortable, twisted in my seat. Now, I'm a trauma survivor. And instead of me just saying, Alberta, girl, get your foot out the seat and straighten your body up. But because I'm a trauma survivor and I'm used to pain and I'm used to nobody caring about what I wanted, that was the mindset. And I would ride that way the whole time. Wow. So how did you, how did you address that? As I started telling myself the truth, you start peeling back the layers. So once you start telling yourself the truth, you start to acknowledge everything. Oh, I'm in pain. Alberta, move your foot, girls. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so it's a part of telling yourself the truth. You mm-hmm. begin to pay attention to the other needs of your body. And 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 what el- whatever else you just need, period. Do you think it's a little bit of a panic attack you, that you get because of the, just little things that's really kind of like things that really shouldn't be important? You know, like, I mean, I know Christine always tells me all the time, you know, like I always get upset about things all the time. Like I blow it out of proportion, but it's like a small, trivial thing. But because of maybe past trauma, past hurts, that in my mind, it, it blows up tremendously. You ever see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying, Chris, is you're going to sign up for Alberta's 30-minute consult? <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does your your work and your coaching, I, this is something that I've been wondering about, does it only work when people are single post-divorce or what if they're remarried and they still haven't gone through the work to heal from their first divorce? Like, Oh, their second divorce, you know. Well, but no, but I'm really wondering, like, is it is there a specific hmm. time post-divorce, like you need to catch people while they're single, or can you work with them effectively while they're re-engaged in another relationship? So that is, that's really not my target market. And I really have to think about what I could create specifically f- to serve that population if, if there was indeed that need. Because keep in mind, I am setting a person up so I'm healing, helping a person heal, acknowledge, and then building them back up, helping them set proper boundaries in place, and then helping them learn, okay, what figure out what do you want? And then talking about what to look for in new relationships and how to address self-sabotage so that they can be ready for the relationship that's coming forward. Right. So I don't t- I don't have a segment that is ready for people that are involved in a relationship already. I, my target market is typically serving people who who need to get ready for or or whether they want to be in a relationship or not, but they're typically single. 
Alberta, I got a question for you about this. We both, okay, we have to tell you first. No, so Chris no. and I, okay. we have signals to each other when we're in the, the studio and we both have questions and we're like trying to beat each other to the questions. So Chris, I'll let you go first. Okay, Alberta, since I won the challenge here, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> hey, is this only for marriage divorce or could this be relationships breakups? Because people, some people will be yeah. in long-term relationships. Oh yeah, good point. In the same same yeah. trauma really happens. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I can I can definitely serve that that population as well. Definitely. That's that's really good to know. But I had another question. So when you were mm-hmm. talking, it made me think of so kind of going back to Chris's substance abuse question. So not a substance abuse question though. I think of when a person is first starting, like let's say that per, a person is starting an AA program or an NA program, they're starting the 12 steps. And one of the key components of that program is that they need to not get into a new relationship while they're working their sobriety. And there's like, they shouldn't be involved in intimacy and things like this because it can get in the way of the work. When Mm -hmm. you are first starting with your coaching clients, do you have conversations with them around like, if you are to engage physically with someone, how it could stunt some of their growth or like, do you have conversations and like set commitments with them around that so that you know that they're really committed or is it like they can do whatever they want? No, I don't have physical commitments like that. I I'm, I leave that up to the clients. The work that we're going to doing, <laughs> excuse me, the work that we're going to be doing together is so deep that I think it, they'll come out fine anyway. They'll root out their own, you know, bad choices, if you will. That's good, because I was thinking that to our listeners out there, if they're listening to you and they think like, well, I have to go cold turkey. I can't be seeing anybody else. I can't be, you know, doing any of this other stuff. It could be like a little bit intimidating, but it sounds like it's like I'm going to work with you and then. It's not like you have to stop dating, but it's like, I'm going to help you figure out if you're deciding to, you know, look for new partners, how to be aware of who you are. And like you said, tell yourself the truth so that you don't ignore red flags or yellow flags that could end up re-traumatizing you. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, I, I am honest with my client. So if we get to a point where I'm not serving them, Maybe because for, for whatever reason, if they ha- if they do have interference, I'm not going to waste I'm not going to waste their time. Right. You know, I, I. I am a servant at heart, and this is such a privilege for me to help people get what they want. That is that is just it's just the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not happy. Right. Right, definitely. Alberta, what is the craziest request you've had from a client that says, this is what I want. I want is blank. Now, what would that thing be? I haven't had a crazy request. <laughs> good. Chris well, likes to always stump our guests. He's like, I want to hear you. What he's really asking for is tell us all of the dirty details. Chris, she's not going to do that because, you know, she protects her clients. Well, I'm not saying pull See? names out of the hat or like that. Well, uh-huh. This one here, Joe, told him what he wanted. Yeah. So, okay. No, I'm very, we're very realistic. It, you know, it, I haven't had any crazy requests. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go into, as we're getting ready to wrap it up, I would love to know, because we talked about your advice for other people, but there is a very high profile couple in this nation that recently went through a very public divorce 
and are just learning how to heal and move beyond it. Tom Brady and Giselle. If you were to have Tom Brady or Giselle, but I think it's Bunchen. How I I can never say her her last name correctly. If one of them were to come to you and to say, Alberta, I want to work with you. I want you to be my divorce coach. And they done the work in therapy. How would you start with them? So the 30 minute consult is going to let me know what their mindset is. Because mm. again, it's it all starts with the mindset. I recently had a conversation with a celebrity and, you know, that mindset, I don't care who you are. If you don't have the right mindset, then I can't serve you and I'm not going to waste your time or my time. Right. So in reality, regardless of how famous or not famous you are, divorce does not discriminate and the trauma that proceeds or results from a divorce doesn't discriminate. And so whether you're going through it right now, my friends, or you've just come out on the other side and you're trying to figure out how to redefine yourself and you want 2023 to be your year, you can definitely reach out to Alberta. And Alberta, you've mentioned that 30-minute consult, and I thought that I remembered you had a special little offer for our listeners. Yes, and I, I, I'm i sending you, I, well, I've already sent you a link for the yep. free offer. So what I'm what I'm offering my freebie is for anybody that goes to the website, there are some tips on how to tame your emotional pain. And then I'm also going to encourage you to go ahead and book in a call and let's let's have a conversation and let's see, you know, how I can help you improve your life and just heal from your past. And I'd love to partner with you. What is the name of the website? It's excelled-life.coach. Yes. Fantastic. I'll put that a link to that in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> listeners. So exhaled-life.coach. I was on that website, as was Chris, a little bit earlier. There's some great resources, but you can go over to that website with the link in the show notes and you can book your 30-minute consult. Maybe you don't even know if you need coaching. Maybe you don't know if you're ready That's a great thing, Alberta, about your services is you're going to help people talk through where they're currently at and whether they're in the right place to get started. And if not, you know, when they might anticipate being ready to work with you. And, you know, 2023, Chris and I keep saying this is our year. Oh, I'm so excited for 2023. Yeah, we've been, you know, (laughs) there's some people that are like, don't have any high expectations for 2023. Go in with, you know, your eyes at the ground and calmly and quietly and don't disturb the year. Mm. But the thing is, we've all been through so freaking much in this country and in That's this right. in the world over the last few years. I'm going to name it and claim it. 2023 is our yes. year of yes, living with purpose and becoming whole, happy and healthy humans. And so, my friends, if you find yourself on the other side of divorce and you don't know what the next step is to take, reach out to our dynamic divorce coach, Alberta Jordan, and she's going to be right there with you to partner with you to wholeness. Right, Alberta? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. And thank you so much for being on the show. We wish you all the best of luck and we can't hate, we can't wait to hear all of the great things you continue to do. Thank you, Chris and Christine. I have enjoyed so much spending this time with you. Enjoyed listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. 
Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Hey, it was so great to have Alberta uh, join us on the show today. Absolutely. I thought that she had some really great insight about, you know, navigating that journey after divorce and, you know, just really figuring out how to grapple through those traumatic circumstances. And, you know, I appreciated how she talked about the importance of not just working with her, but also like having a therapist in your in your life to be able to you know, dig deep into some of those wounds. And then she just like helps take you from there on out. And I think that's a really great approach. I think that therapy is something that's really important. And um, I think it's always great to have a coach in your life. Don't you? I do too. Cause you really, that the coach is someone there that helps you uh, work throughout your problems and kind of help you kind of push you along and make a better version of yourself Yeah, absolutely. that you possibly can be. Yeah. I think that they just, help you like reflect back on your own thinking and give you some tools and tricks and tips. And I mean, coaches are great in all different types of aspects of life, whether you're coming out of a divorce, whether you're, you know, uh, transitioning into a new job. I mean, you do podcast coaching. I coach, I'm a full-time coach in my main job, an executive coach. And then, you know, there's just, there's so many different outlets. And so I think that no matter what you're going through, finding a coach that can meet you where you're at and, you know, help you work through that is, it's just a great option. You know, and divorce is no, no fun picnic for anybody involved, I would say. You know, everybody has gone through a divorce. It's been probably a pretty rough and emotional ride. And it's always good to have somebody there supporting you to help you navigate those difficult times. Yeah, I think so. Sometimes it can be really isolating. And then, you're making all of these decisions and living this chapter of life that you never expected. I mean, nobody gets married thinking like, oh gosh, this is going to fail or this is going to be over in a couple of years. You know, I wonder if celebrities feel that way because you always hear these celebrity divorces, like get married and here they get divorced like a year later or five months later or whatever. <laughs> I always kind of wonder if they just do it as like just because they can and they just like do it. I don't know. know. Okay. So speaking of that, it's really funny. I was reading this story, not that divorce is funny, but I was reading this story on Apple News yesterday and it was, um, Pamela Anderson, way back in the day, was married to, she married one of her best friends and they were married for only 12 days and then really? they called it quits. And I guess it wasn't even like a legal marriage. It must have just been like symbolic or something like that. Maybe like a Vegas drive through wedding kind of I deal? I don't know, but it was just 12 days long. But this man who's been her longtime friend, even after the their marriage dissolved, he was uh he announced, I guess he was interviewed and he revealed that he is leaving her ten million dollars in his will. And he no way. And he just said that she didn't even know about it, but you know, that he just thinks so highly of her and cares so much for her that he wants her to have it, whether she needs the money or not, to just do with it what she would like. Not like he's dying right now or anything like that. It was just he wanted to share like he's, you know, setting aside ten million dollars in his will for her. And it's like, okay. All of us need divorces that are that healthy. <laughs> How would you feel if your spouse today, not saying me, I'm saying generally speaking, had I, you a will, are my only spouse, had a will for an ex ex wife for like ex, a large amount <laughs> well, of money? I didn't even think about that. I think he's single, but if he was remarried, I would be like, 
that is, I mean, community property. That's not not possible. I mean, I don't think. But um, you know, let's just assume that he's single and let's really hope that he's not married and still leaving $10 million to his ex-wife of only 12 days. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe maybe he's loaded. He's got enough money to like. It doesn't matter, you know. But it's a principle of the matter, I think. Right. Right. Like, how would you feel if if uh, somebody had a will written down for you know their ex? Okay, we've already been there, done that. No, I'm not gonna play that out anymore. Don't get any ideas, Chris. None of your exes. Well, it's too late now. (laughs) None of your exes are getting millions of dollars. You just gotta. You're stuck with me, dude. Of course. And I love every minute of it. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to share with our listeners? No, that is about it, baby doll. Well, so where can our listeners find out more about us and our fantastic adventures? Well, you can go to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And everything you want to know is right on over there. Absolutely. You can link to our social media pages as well as to our business pages and check out more about Podtastic Audio, Podcasting Made Easy, and Christine Smith Designs. And... Uh, Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next Next week. week.